Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Killer Cocktails. What? Oh, this is a podcast. Oh. Wait, what's a podcast? It's like on-demand radio. Gotcha. So the premise of this show Uh is uh, we make a cocktail. Ooh, I like cocktails. Yes. And we'll give you whether we like it, how Mm. do you make it, what's the history. Yeah. And then we'll tell a true crime story um, based on the cocktail. No, thank you. Oh, well, see you later. Okay, bye. For those of you that stuck with us, (laughs) tonight's episode. Yes. Today. I don't know why I said tonight. You could play in your car in the morning driving to work. That's the joy of a podcast. Maybe it's tonight. It's tonight for me, so that's why I say Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Um, in the past, telling you stuff from the past and the future. Don't tell me what happens, (gasps) future listener. Don't spoil it. We're in weird mood. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Today's episode is The Boilermaker. Mm-hmm. Come, goes by many names. Shot in a beer, citywide. Yeah. I think there's a couple others I don't remember. If you had never told me what a Boilermaker was, I would have thought it was like a cocktail of sorts. Because the name, it, it just sounds seems... Like a, yeah. Yeah. Here's how I learned about a Boilermaker. Mm. And then this might jog your memory. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Mm. Are you, Oh, I'm mad. I've seen parts of it. Oh, how have you not seen Dumb and Dumber? You know I don't like those movies. Yeah, that much to my irritation. I'm yeah. not okay. I'm gonna move on from that. <laughs> In the movie Dumb and Dumber, there's uh, a classic scene. They're yeah. all classic scenes, but there's a classic scene where you got these guys all around a table and they order boilermakers uh, and they bring over a shot in a beer. So that was how I learned what they were. Was gotcha. a scene in Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I feel so strongly about how a boilermaker is to be consumed. A shot. Which leads us and into a beer. A boilermaker is a shot, typically of whiskey. I don't think you can call it a boilermaker if it's like tequila. It's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. So a shot of whiskey and a beer. And typically, like if you're in Philadelphia, where they call it a citywide, because citywide you can get them. Mm. If you order a citywide, you're going to get a shot of well whiskey and a PBR. But if you're outside of Philly, if you're somewhere else, if you order a Boilermaker, you're going to get... And and here's the thing. Like, is the bartender going to just get you a shot of well and a cheap beer? Mm -hmm. Or or is the bartender going to go, what kind of shot do you want? What kind of beer? Yeah. I think it depends on what kind of establishment you're in. So you want a shooter whiskey. You're not sipping on this whiskey. Well, now we're getting into the four types of Boilermakers. Oh, four types. Listen to this. So this is from Spruce Eats, and I'm going to quote them for a hot minute. Uh, there's four ways to drink a Boilermaker, and you will get a debate as to whether or not you can call it a Boilermaker, depending on how you're doing it. So here's where it gets heated. Mm. You can have a beer and a chaser. Mm. So you down the whiskey shot, and then you just enjoy your beer like you would. So essentially, you've just ordered two drinks at the same time. I like it. A drop shot. So you're going to drop a shot of whiskey into a pint of beer and then slam it. Which I recommend. Uh, you can see that on our Instagram video. <laughs> that seemed rough. I think that's a, you're trying to catch up with, like, your friends got to the bar uh-huh. before you, and you're like, Boilermaker, now I'm just as nuts as you are. And I chose Sweet Ass, which is a Pacific Ale, and so it's not a beer that you're going to be chugging. It's not like a Coors. Yeah. yeah. I knew you were wrong the whole time. We've <sighs> been fighting about this for days. Yeah. And it's been a vicious fight. You felt really strongly, and I mm-hmm. just, and I just kind of sat in my rightness. Yeah. 
And I, I think originally I wanted uh, an RPM, which is my classic in-town hip move. I don't know what beer I want. You know they'll have RPM on tap. It's delicious. It's from Boneyard. But they didn't have it when Kimberly went to go get the beers because it's so delicious they don't really bottle or can it. You have to go get a crowler or something. So Kimberly chose. She just kind of, I don't know where your head was at, but it was right on schedule. She got me a really great beer from Fort George. I talked about it on the Instagram, so I don't need to go over it twice. But it was very good. It's a wonderful brewery. But again, it's a delicious beer you're not going to go be a nuts on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just take your little shot of Jameson or some sort of like tasty whiskey that's not Old Crow. Yeah. No offense, Old Crow, but no thanks. <laughs> um, you can be a sponsor. I'll drink it if you give it to me for free. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was in my head. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to take a shooter of a whiskey and then I just get to cool it with a tasty beer. Do you want to know where I'm coming from? Chico, California. No, I've been there, but no, no, thank you. Um, we um we looked at the internet and it said that it could be a bomber, and I love bombs. I love Vegas bombs. I love Tic Tacs. I love Jaeger bombs. Jaeger for days. Yeah, I. Here's the thing. I don't. I you don't like bombs. Okay. You don't like a Tic Tac. Listen to me. I'm. I'm gonna clarify. Mm. I enjoy the camaraderie. You're not doing a sake bomb. I enjoy the camaraderie sock, sock, and the sock, and the sock fun. Bomb. There's so much energy involved yeah. around them. Yeah. Obviously, you're gonna amp me up and get me into it. Yes. I don't like. I don't like doing things I'm not good at. I am terrible at chugging things. Oh, okay. I panic. I think I'm never gonna get to breathe again. It's awful. Yeah. You just have to relax. I your know. Body. I know. <laughs> I could see where you were going with that. No. I was cutting you off at the pass. No. My mom is listening. Yeah, relax your body. <laughs> where are you going with this, Jacqueline? It's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending like you're normal. Okay. <laughs> so, I but I, I panic when chugging and I don't like... <laughs> I swear I only had one whiskey shot and a beer. Oh my god, stop this for a moment. I'm crying. All right, we had to actually take a second and like get our composure back. But I um, wipe the tears from my eyes. Yes. Um, we debated on whether we we're going to keep that in or not. And it's two against one, I lost. <laughs> obviously, it's still in. You're welcome from me and uh, Kimberly. Um, by the way, this is Drea. This is Jackie. And um, do you have anything else to say about the Boilermaker? No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> we are. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was weird. Um, all right. Well, you guys, highly recommend um, a whiskey shot and a beer if that's your preference. Now, I want you to not take yourself out of our fight okay. and being right against me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just right, so it's fine. Okay. Yeah. All right, one. Should our fans go <clears throat> find themselves in a bar and order a Boilermaker? Yeah. Do you recommend that they drop it and shoot it? No. There's better shooter drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tic Tacs among them. Mm. Again, I will chug. I just don't. I oh, there's nothing more panic-inducing than a shotgun beer. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Yeah. Let me tell you, because you're always outside. Here's the other thing that I'm a real. I don't know what word I want to use. Pansy about. I let so much of that spill. 
I don't know how to shotgun a beer correctly. Carrie and I have tried over the years. One time we There's were... There's like a, yeah, a trick that no one ever really knows. One They're all lying. we were in the shower in Chile because we were like, we're going to shotgun beers. And Nate obviously came home right when we were doing this and beer was going everywhere. And he just comes into the doorway and he was just like, what is wrong with you guys? Because we had also recently taken an astray off the street and brought it home and then it shit a everywhere. Dog. I heard astray. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what word you were saying. Yeah, yeah, astray dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways. But in theory, you just puncture it and you pop the top and yeah. it's just kind of a... Yeah, but, but it goes everywhere. Well, and it's just, it's a whole beer and that's too much and oh. I don't... Mm-mm. And it's cold if it's too glad. Well, yeah. then you're too... I don't... Again, I don't really like being drunk, so... With whiskey no in thanks. a beer is not a good bummer. No. I will so say, we, we went out to Minneapolis for that wedding. Um... Shout out Meg. What's up, Meg? Um, we went to the bar and we just ordered, I think we ordered a shot and then they give us a beer. We're like, what is this? And they're like, this is your chaser. I was like, an entire beer? I love this place. That is an interesting thing that doesn't happen other places yeah, where and, everything's and, expensive as hell. Yeah, they didn't charge us extra. It was like $5 for a shot and a beer. Crazy. Yeah. Minneapolis. I wonder what they call it in Minneapolis. Hey, listeners out in Minneapolis, I yeah. see you. I know you're there. What's tell up? us, Tell us what they call that where you're from. They're going to say it's called ordering a shot. Well, I want clarification. Because also some of your stories, there's a hazy cloud over what is the truth. You don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's my truth. Fine. (laughs) Um, Okay. Are you ready to hear some murder? I would like to hear a story. Yes. Perfect. I'm going to tell you a story. No way. Yeah. That's fun. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to jump right in to my story. Um, I'm going to tell you about a bunch of different people, and then they're all going to get woven together into one quilt. And I'm going to have to try and figure out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to not get wrapped up in trying to figure out who's who. Yeah. I'm just going to listen to your story. Just because that's where I get enjoy my story. I, I interrupt, and mm-hmm. I ask questions, mm-hmm. and then people just give me this look, and they're like, if you <laughs> shut up, your question would be answered. <laughs> so I, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Um, so we're going to start off with the first person. Um, her name is Shonda Renee Scherer. And she was born on June 6th of 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, her father is Steve uh, and her mother's Jacqueline. <gasps> nice. That's your name. She spelled the same way? Jacqueline. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know how to spell my name. I do. That's how you spell it. Jacqueline. Uh, where's her name? Jacqueline. That is exactly how I spell it. That's what I'm saying. It's the right way. Yes. um okay so shonda um she grows up a little bit and now she's in the fifth and sixth grade and while there she starts like doing cheerleading and volleyball and softball so she's being active Mm -hmm. and participating in um, activities eventually her parents do divorce and her mother remarries and they move to louisville for a little bit um shonda uh, starts going to Hazelwood Middle School shortly after. Um, so um, next, I'm going to tell you about Melinda Loveless. Um, she is born in New Albany, Indiana on October 28th of 1975. She's the youngest of three daughters, and her parents are Marjorie and Larry Loveless. Um, her father is drafted into the U.S. Army during the Vietnam War, and when he returns, everyone is treating him like a hero. And um, But behind closed doors, he's kind of a horrible human being Hmm. um my story is going to start off bad and just keep getting worse and worse and worse so just a heads up um so larry's working odd jobs for the southern railroad in 1972 and he becomes a prohibitionary oh prohibitionary (laughs) 
probationary <laughs> officer, but he's fired after eight months when he and his partner assaulted a man whom Larry accused of sleeping with his wife. Oh. Um, and then Larry briefly works as a mail carrier, um, but he doesn't last very long. He lasts about three months, and then they find out that he had never been delivering any of the mail. <gasps> He'd just been burning it. Oh, my God. <laughs> People, like, come home and just burn mail. That's a great That's a great Seinfeld where they just, like, Newman's like, I can't deliver all this. And he just puts in a storage unit. What? <laughs> he just keeps it? And then, well, Scott and I were joking at work because then there was a newspaper article not that long ago of... A mail carrier who got caught just hoarding the mail, being like, what? I can't get it out on time. What? <laughs> That's insane. I don't, yeah. That's yeah this guy got caught right away. He burned it. That's the trouble. You got to yeah. hide it. You got to hide it. Okay. So um, Melinda's mother, Marjorie, works uh, kind of like sporadically. And when both her parents work, they actually make enough money to live kind of like upper middle class um, in the suburb of Flo- uh, Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Um, Floyd Snaps, good name. Floyd Snaps. Um, but Larry, unfortunately, likes to spend money on himself and not really his family. And he's buying firearms, he's buying motorcycles and cars, and he rarely spends um, any time with his family. Mm-hmm. But when he does, he's the worst. Um, Larry's children would uh, go over to like extended families' houses and they would see how hungry they were. Mm. Um, and so finally in 1980, uh, Larry uh, files bankruptcy. And then Larry um, is really unfaithful to his wife, and he tries to convince Marjorie that they needed to have an open relationship. And so he would make her go to bars with him so that they could do, like, swinging activities. Um, And he would also force her to have sex with some of his work friends. Um, Marjorie would later say that Larry would wear her and her daughter's underwear and makeup, like, around the house. Mm. Um, And... Um, Marjorie, um, during a forced orgy with another couple, she tries to commit suicide. During? Mm, yeah, she like removes herself from the oh. room because Larry was all about forcing her into these sexual yeah. encounters that she didn't want to be a part of. Um, when Melinda is nine years old, Larry forces Marjorie to participate in a gangbang and after which she tries to drown herself. Um, after that incident, she refuses, um, to have sex with Larry, um, until he violently rapes her in front of their daughters. Whoa. Um, in the summer of, uh, 1986, after she would not let, uh, Larry go home with two women that they met at the bar, Larry beat Marjorie so badly that she was ho- hospitalized, um, and he is convicted of battery. That's surprising. All right. mm-hmm. uh, for two years, beginning when Melinda is five, the family becomes part of the Graceland Baptist Church. And Larry and Marjorie, um, they give up drinking and swinging when they're part of this church. Um, Larry becomes a, ba- a Baptist lay preacher. And okay. Marjorie becomes the school nurse. And the church later arranges for Melinda, again, the daughter, Melinda Love- Loveless, to be taken to a motel room with a 50-year-old man for a five-hour exorcism. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Larry becomes... Just her and that 50-year-old man? Uh-huh. Yeah. So Melinda, uh, Larry's daughter, is forced to go have an exorcism with this man at a hotel room. I don't think that was an exorcism. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Larry, um, while at the, at the church becomes a marriage counselor, um, <laughs> this is ridiculous, uh-huh, but he starts to become too forward with the women and he eventually tries to rape. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And I just interrupted you on a crazy word. Mm-hmm. What you're about to say is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he eventually is tried, uh, he tries to rape one of the women and it's in his marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> And they have to leave the church. And Larry just went full force back to being an awful human being. 
Um, and so Larry is verbally, sexually um, uh, abusive, and he starts to rape his daughters and extended family members. Um, he actually does so many more horrible things that I'm not going to mention. Um, he's he's just the worst. Um, in November of 1990, Larry is caught spying on Melinda, who's around 14 to 15 years old at this time. And she's like with her friend, like at their house. And Marjorie, the, mo- the mom, just loses it. And she goes after him with a knife. And he like tries to grab the knife away from her. And he ends up getting cut really bad. So he goes to the hospital. And uh, Marjorie attempts to take her life again. And her daughters find her. And they uh, call the police. Um, and then Larry then files for divorce and moves to Florida and gets remarried. And Melinda is heartbroken that her father is gone at this this point. So, not a great dude. No. Um, so, now I'm going to tell you about an- another person. I'm going to tell you about Lori Tackett. Um, her name is Mary Lorene uh, uh, Tackett. And uh, she's born in Madison, Indiana on October 5th, 1974. Her mother is a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian. Okay. And her father is a factory worker. And at this point, he has two felony convictions. Um, Lori is molested at least twice as a child and uh, at the ages of five and 12. In May of 1989, her mother finds out that Lori has been changing into jeans before she goes to school, which is against um, her religious ideals. And so... Or jeans? Yeah, I think it's very, it's like very old school Christian. Yeah. Um, and so she confronts Lori and they get into this big fight and Lori's mother actually ends up strangling her. because Over wearing goddamn jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's against. It's very Christian to strangle your daughter over wearing jeans. Uh, this sector of, yeah, of what she believes. Um, social workers, uh, then get involved and Lori's parents agree to unannounced visits to ensure that child abuse is not occurring. Um. It is. It is. Yeah. So Lori obviously is still getting into fights with her mother, and one fight involves a Ouija board. Mm, so with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. So Lori had gone over to her friend Hope Rippy's house, and her, her father had bought them a, a Ouija board. And her uh, Laura's mother finds out, and she just flies off the handle. Oh, it's the devil's word. Mm-hmm. And she demands that the board is burnt, and that the, that Hope's house is exercised. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So the, by the time Lori is uh, 15, she's super rebelling and she's uh, becoming fascinated with the, the occult and she pre- pretends to be possessed by the spirit of uh, Deanna the vampire to impress her friends, which is like a spinoff of B- Buffy the Bam- oh, vampire. God. Yeah. Just a little Russell Wilson. We're good. <laughs> um, so she also starts self-harming, um, especially when she starts dating a girl in 1991 who also self-harmed. Mm. Um, when her parents find out that um, that she's self-harming, they check her into a hospital, um, which she's in and out of a couple times. And eventually she's diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And she confesses that she had been experiencing hallucinations since she was a young child. Um, she drops out of high school in September of 1991 and she starts staying with friends and she eventually meets Melinda Loveless in 1991, which is the gal from the previous so you story. Two, two young ladies with very twisted past. Yes. Pa- pasts. Pass. 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 P-A-S-T. P-A-S-T. Pass. Pass. Very twisted past. <laughs> you know when you say a word so much that it's all, it loses all meaning um so now i'm going to tell you about hope rippy so hope anna rippy is born in madison indiana in june of 1976 her father is an engineer at a power plant and her parents divorced in february of 1984 and she moves with her mother and siblings to michigan 
And then over the next couple of years, she claims that her life is turbulent and uh, with her family until her parents get back together and they move back to Madison, where she's reunited with her friends Lori Tackett from earlier and Tony Lawrence, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, by age 15, Hope also starts to self-harm. Um, so now I'm going to tell you about Tony Lawrence. What is this story? I know. I'm just telling you. Are you telling me the plot of the movie The Craft? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that with What's Her Face? The Witches. The witches. Nev Campbell's in it from mm. Scream and it, Rose McGowan. Isn't and, craft magic something with... Yeah, it's all the like teenage girls and they like start playing around with witchcraft where she goes like this and her hair turns a different color. I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, you'd like it. I like magic. You would love <laughs> this weird teenage movie. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you about Tony Lawrence. Tony Lawrence is born in Madison, Indiana in February of 1976. Um, her father is a boiler maker. Oh, my God. Uh, I want to say I'm annoyed, but I'm impressed. Isn't that amazing? Her father's profession ties into what we are drinking today on this episode. I hate it. Mm. Do you want to know what a Boilermaker is? What's a Boilermaker, Drea? Okay. So, Boilermaker is a trade... Shot in a beer, but you don't drop it. (laughs) Oh. Maybe he did. Um, a boilermaker is a tradesperson who fabricates steel, iron, or copper into boilers intended to hold hot gas or liquid, as well as maintains and repairs boilers in boiler systems. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, unbelievable. I'll take 500. Uh, 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 uh. Sometimes we have competitions. Mm-hmm. You definitely won this one. Did I win? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, again, we haven't heard my story yet. Yeah. I think I'm going to win on story. Okay. I'm only halfway through yours. Yours hasn't twisted into crazy yet. Mm-mm. But your tie 100% beats mine. Yay. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, back to the story. So Tony becomes close friends with Hope Rippy when they are young. Um, Tony- Hope Rippy's a good name. Hope Rippy? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a great name. Um, Tony is sexually abused by a relative at age nine and is raped by a teenage boy at age 14. Jesus. Um, but instead of arresting him or charging him with anything, the police are only able to issue an order to keep the boy away from Tony. Mm. Yeah. Um, she starts going to counseling, but eventually she stops. Um, she also starts to self-harm and attempts to take her life in the eighth grade. So sad. All this is... Everything you've said so far is just so yucky mm-hmm. and sad. It's um, going to get a lot worse, unfortunately. Um, okay, so in 1990, Melinda Loveless, um, whose father is... That name is familiar. Insane. Melinda Loveless? Yeah. Sounds, it, yeah. Something Loveless. It's from a movie. Porn. No. Oh, Jacqueline. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> no, 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 not, no. <laughs> Your mother listened. No, no not, not in that way. Isn't that... Like famous, por- like um, Deep Throat. Yeah, yeah, that's her name, isn't it? Something Loveless. That, that kind of sounds familiar. I think that's what the tie is. Isn't for me. there a Doctor Loveless in a in a movie? I don't know. All right, if you know what we're talking we've ex- about, we've gone past my porn knowledge. <laughs> Okay, so in 1990, Melinda Loveless, um, whose father's insane, the Larry guy. Oh, he's the craziest. Um, meets and begins dating Amanda um, Hevron, who we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Melinda at this point is very depressed, and she's in counseling, and she's fighting a lot at school. Um, in March of 1991, Melinda tells her mother that she's a lesbian, which isn't received well at all by her family, but eventually her mom accepts it. 
Um, in the fall of 1990, Melinda and Ma- Amanda start to grow apart, and Melinda starts to blame um, Shonda, who we heard from the very first story. Oh, these names. I need a, a org chart. <laughs> uh, so uh, Amanda and Shonda, um, they had met earlier in the school year, um, and they had gotten into it, like this big fight. However, while in detention, they sort of have like a breakfast club moment, and they become friends. I think that's fun. Um, but um, uh, Melinda immediately becomes jealous that they have bonded. Yeah. And so early in October, Shonda and Amanda go to... Um, um, no. What? I touched it. Okay. Okay. Um, Shonda and Amanda go to a school dance together, and Melinda confronts them at the dance. And, they're, and she's like, what is this? Like, why are you here with my girlfriend? Drama. So, Meli- so Melinda's like, I'm going to uh, make Amanda jealous. And she starts dating an older girl. Um, but all the while, she's still super jealous of Amanda and Shonda dating, and she starts nonchalantly talking about killing Shonda. What? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And she's, this is wild. Uh-huh. And she starts to threaten her publicly. She's like, F you, blah, 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 for taking my, like, my girlfriend. And Shonda... Kind of impressive that they're all, like, out dating each other, like, that early in the 90s. Like, yeah. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, so Shonda's um, getting harassed so much that her parents are like, you know what? This is a really bad situation for you. Let's take you out of this. And they transfer her to a Catholic uh, school in no- uh, late November. And Shonda and Amanda, like, start slowly drifting apart because, you know, they're not the same school anymore. Yeah. and They can't hang out at lunch. Yeah. But Melinda and Amanda never get back together. So she There just- are so many names swirling, but I'm kind of getting the gist. Okay, perfect. On January 10th of 1992, you have Tony, who's 16, Hope, who's 16, and Lori, who's 17. And they're all driving in one car from Madison, Indiana, to New Albany. And they're going to Melinda's house. And she's 17 at this point. And the idea is, what does Melinda think happening? And what does the group of girls traveling in the car think is happening? Melinda is just at her house. And she's like, y'all should come over to my house. Let's all hang out. How fun. And so Melinda and Lori know each other. So she's like, Lori, come on over, bring mm-hmm. your friends. Uh-huh. And so she brings Tony and Hope with her. And they're like, we're going to go to this girl's house that's yep. like forever away. Yeah. We're all 17. It's fine to drive there. We're yes. all 16, 17. Yeah. And so Tony and Lori are meeting Melinda for the first okay. time. And so they get to Melinda's and they're just kind of hanging out. And Melinda shows them a knife. And she tells them all about Shonda and how she hates her and that she's going to scare Shonda with the knife. Did Shonda end up at a different school? Mm-hmm. She's at a Catholic school now. Got it. Um, and at this point, Hope and Tony and Lori have never met Shonda. And okay. by the way, Shonda is 12 years old. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. She's like between 12 and 13. So they drew. So. Yeah. In this scenario, her parents read the situation correctly. Yes. And we're like, we need to get our daughter away from whatever people she's mixed up with. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. So they drive to Shonda's house, which is in Jeffersonville, which is 15 minutes away. And they okay. get there right as it's getting dark. And Melinda has Hope and Tony. Okay. I'm mad about the age. What 17-year-old? Uh-huh. I uh, don't care how... A 17-year-old who's been through years and years yes, of abuse. Yes, okay, yeah. It's... Who's probably not at the the equivalent mindset of a 17-year-old. With all the sexual okay. abuse that she okay. went through, I'm guessing that her mindset is back around 12 or 13, if not earlier, okay. depending on when okay. trauma happened, you know? Yeah. No excuse for what's coming. 
correct, but but you can you're see you're explaining, ex- explaining it isn't excusing it. Yeah. Um. So Melinda has Hope and Tony, who have never met Shonda before. Yeah, but these other sixteen-year-old girls. Uh, yeah. Well, but all of them they've, have trauma. They've all had trauma. About all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's why I told you about all the girls' backstory. It makes sense now. I got yeah. lost, but I it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So Melinda has Hope and Tony, who have never met Shonda before, uh, go up to her front door and knock on the door. And Shonda comes to the door and they're like, hey, we're friends with your girlfriend, Amanda. And she really wants to see you. She she really misses you. And she wants you to meet her at, at this place called the Witch's Castle. And you should you should come with us. But Shonda's like, I can't right now. Like my my parents are still awake. But like come back later around midnight and I'll be able to sneak out. And so Melinda is sort of pissed off, but she's like, fine, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get her later. And so they all get back in the car and they go to a punk rock concert nearby. And Hope and Tony meet up with some guys there and they all hook up in Lori's car. Oh. And so they finish up. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> so they finish up at the concert and they head back to Shonda's house. And on the way there, Melinda keeps talking about how she can't wait to kill Shonda. But at the same time. This is crazy. Isn't that crazy? But at the same time, she keeps talking about how attractive she thinks Shonda is and how she wants to have sex with her and how she's actually just going to scare Shonda and not kill her. All of it's all of it's weird and crazy right, right now it just seems like a girl who's in her teen teen years saying and she's crazy jealous. teen things yeah so what's okay so you're one of the people who's never met her and you're like all right well here's this crazy girl i just met she keeps talking about how she wants to kill this girl but then she's all talk. so you're kind of just like oh she's dramatic mm-hmm. i can yeah. also i would probably get so uncomfortable like i gotta go mm-hmm. but i can also see being like well it's insane to think somebody wants to kill somebody so she's just dramatic yeah um, so when they arrive back at Shonda's house at 1230 a.m., Tony refuses to go get Shonda. He, Good she, on you, Tony. She's like, I'm not going to go knock on What's this girl. What's Tony's last name? Is Tony the one with the great name? Uh, Lawrence? No. no. Hope Rippy. That's right. Yeah. Tony Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. So when they arrive at Shonda's house at 1230 a.m., uh, Tony refuses to go get Shonda. She's like, no, I'm going to put my foot down on she this good. one. good. Yeah. Um, and so Lori and Hope go to get her and Melinda hides under a blanket in the backseat of the car with a knife. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. So after some convincing, Shonda agrees to go with them, and she gets in the car. They're lying and saying that Amanda, the girl that you either are dating or were dating, yeah, wants to yeah, see you. Yeah. She misses you. Like, we're her friends. We're coming here to pick you up, and we're going to go meet her. Yeah. And so Shonda gets in the car, and they start to drive away, and that's when Melinda puts the knife to Shonda's throat, and they drive towards the witch's castle, which is this old abandoned stone house on this isolated hill overlooking the Ohio River. Oh, I get why they call it the witch's castle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, and once at the witch's castle, they take Shonda inside and they tie her arms and legs together with rope. And Shonda starts to cry. And when the girls see the headlights from a passing car, they get startled. And so they get Shonda, they put her back in the car and they start heading towards Lori's house. Uh, but they stop for gas on the way and then they get lost. Okay. I was ex- I was allowing a little bit of wiggle room for mm-hmm. them to be like, oh, she's so dramatic, and yeah. she keeps saying these things. The moment we're tying somebody up and put- putting them in a trunk and taking them truly to another, like... Yeah. They've been putting her in the trunk. She's in the backseat. Fine. She's tied up, and yeah. they take her to this weird-ass house. Yeah. We're- we've reached a new level. Yeah, we've crossed the line. We tied up someone who doesn't want to be tied up. As soon up. as you put her in the car and the knife came out and you guys drove away with her, you're yeah. kidnapping. This is crazy. Um, okay, so... 
they get lost for a little bit and then Lori's like you know what um let's drive towards this like garbage dump off area um it's like a lodging road and there's like a bunch of forest forested areas okay. over there we'll, we'll be secluded so they head over there and tony and hope are scared so they stay in the car and then melinda and Lori um take shonda out of the car and they bring her over a little bit and they make her strip and then melinda starts punching shonda all over her body this is crazy. Just repeatedly, like, slamming Shonda's face into her knee to the point that Shonda's mouth is cut by her own braces. Mm. Um, she has braces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's, she's she's a baby. She is I a baby. I know 50-year-olds who have braces, too, but... Yeah. But she's 12. Um, Melinda then tries to slash Shonda's throat, but the knife is too dull, so Hope comes out of the car to hold Shonda down. Um, my story is going to get worse and worse and worse. So heads up. Um, I'm that. sorry. Hope Rippy with a great name. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're too scared. You're in the car. Everything's gone outside. Like, that's a whole, that's a jump too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, these girls. Um, so Melinda and Lori then take turns stabbing Shonda in the chest. They then strangle Shonda with a rope until she's unconscious, and then they put her in the trunk of the car and tell the other two girls that Shonda is dead. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. They then drive to Lori's house, which is nearby, and they go inside to drink some soda and clean off. Um, but while they are enjoying their soda pop, they start to hear Shonda screaming from the trunk of the car. I think there's different levels of understanding of what's happening with all these different girls. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a different... Mindset, ben, yeah. mindset as yeah. an adolescent, where yeah. you just don't get how ridiculously crazy what you're doing is. Yeah, just kind of like the the gravity of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it's twisted and crazy. You, I mean, and I you, don't even like. I don't even know how to apply judgment to any of this, and you, especially not knowing where it's going. And you think herd mentality, like when you get more and more people together, they'll yes. either band together and become this mob. Yeah, or you know. It's crazy. It's kind of like when you also you see an accident on the side of the road and there's more, the more people there are, the less those people will do because they're like, oh, someone else is yes. handling it. Yeah. So, um, so they start to hear Shonda screaming from the trunk of the car. And so Lori takes a paring knife and goes out to the car and opens the trunk and she stabs Shonda several more times. And then Lori comes back in covered in blood. Lori then gets cleaned up again and grabs some rune stones and tells the girls their future. They then get bored, and so Lori and Melinda go for a late-night drive around 2.30 a.m. With and, a dead body in the trunk? hmm Yeah. This is, like, how... This pers- is how twisted this is. Perspective of yes. they don't know what yes. they're doing right now. Um, so they're driving around. It's 2.30 in the morning, and while driving, they start to hear Shonda crying in the back of the trunk. Good God. Mm-hmm. So Lori stops the car and opens the trunk and Shonda sits up and she's covered in blood. Yeah. She can't, she can't open her eyes. It's awful. She can't really make it. She's making noises, but she can't make words. Um, and then Lori beats her with a tire iron until she stops making sounds. Just before sunrise, Lori and Melinda get back to her house and they get cleaned up again and they tell Hope and Tony about what they had done. Um, but while they are talking, they wake up Lori's mother, who yells at them for staying out so late yeah. and bringing people over to her house. Yeah. So Lori agrees to take everyone home. So the girls drive to a gas station near Madison um, 
like high school and they pump some gas into their car and they buy a two liter bottle of Pepsi, which they dump out and then they fill it, the bottle with gas. And then they drive north of Madison past Jefferson probing uh, ground to a place called Lemon Road. And they take Shonda out of the trunk and they wrap her in a blanket and they carry her into a field. And Lori then makes Hope pour the gasoline on Shonda. And at this point, Shonda is still alive. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they set her on fire. Okay. I don't know where you're going with this. Here's my thing. Yeah. I don't know what happens in terms of prosecuting any of these girls. Mm-hmm. But even with all of the trauma in the background and all like all of that, mm-hmm. even if you don't understand what's happening and everything's escalate, I don't know that you can participate in something so horrific and be normal afterwards. Yeah. You're something's changed yeah yeah so even even if all all of it just kind of is building on itself like and you go to jail for however like they put you away for 10 years or whatever it like when you i don't know that you're the same yeah yeah you you uh, there's a level of not caring about a human life that is i don't know that's so crazy i mean yeah the whole thing is just one thing after the other it's, and it's, it's uh, everything is escalating it, it's so it's so overly malicious yes to a 12 year old to a to baby someone you don't know yeah or have mm-hmm. there's there's the whole argument of you're wrapped up in these emotions and you didn't plan it out and all mm-hmm. these things ha- but then there's this whole level of like you're just a group of girl like yeah you're just a group of girls how i don't know it's all very awful um so they finish setting her on fire. Yeah. And then the girls go to McDonald's. That's, yeah, everything in here is so nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And they have breakfast and it's like 930 in the morning and they're just talking and hanging out at this McDonald's. And Tony at this point comes to her senses and she calls a friend and tells her about the murder. Um, Lori then drops Tony and Hope off at their homes and she returns home with Melinda and they clean out the the car like a little bit. Okay. Um, They then drive to Melinda's house around 3 p.m. And Melinda then hears that Amanda, her ex-girlfriend, who's dating Shonda, is at River Falls Mall. And so she calls the mall and she has her paged to like come to the phone. She's like faking an emergency. And she tells her that she's killed Shonda. And that they will come get Amanda later that day. Like, she's like, stay at the mall. We're going to come get you. Um, Melinda's friend Crystal uh, Wathen comes over and they tell her what they did. And then the three girls go pick up Amanda. So Wait, th- now another girl has become mm-hmm. involved? Yeah. I don't understand your story, Drea. I don't understand. But don't you understand? I don't understand how so many uninvolved people are a party to this. I mean, if you think... I mean, remember when you were a teenager? I feel like you don't have yes, the wherewithal all, to yes. not say anything to people. Ugh, Whether I, it's because you're telling people because it was so dramatic, traumatic, or if it's because you're you're gloating about it, whatever it is, they just need to tell other people. That's not my issue. My issue is someone unrelated joining in. Mm-hmm. Now it's all happened. Now, like the fact that there's a new name mm-hmm. in this is nuts. Yeah, but remember this point. They've gotten rid of Shonda's body, and but so this now new girl that was told. Yeah, there's two. There's this. two people. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so they bring Amanda over and back to Melinda's house and they tell her everything. But at first she doesn't believe anything that they're saying. But then Melinda's like, we'll come out to the car, come see the trunk. And they go out to the car and they see bloody handprints yeah, she's like bragging about it. in um, Shonda's socks are still in the car. Um, so in the morning of January 11th, two brothers who were going out hunting find Shonda's body and they call the police. In the meantime, uh, Steve, um, who's Shonda's father, notices that she's missing. And so she's he files a missing persons report. Um, and at 8.20 p.m., Tony goes to the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office with her parents and she tells them everything that happened. Good on you, Tony. Um, all four girls are tried as adults. And the judge is just like, close. this is the most heinous well, thing I've ever awful. seen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to avoid the death penalty, all four girls accept plea bargains. Um, and Tony is sentenced to 20 years in prison with time reduced for good behavior. And she is released in 2000. Um, hope- of all of the mayhem, Tony has a little bit more leeway with me than anybody else. Yeah. She's the only person to go to the cops. Um, Hope Rippy is sentenced to 60 years with 10 years suspended and 10 years of medium supervision uh, probation with time reduced for good behavior. Hope is released in 2006. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Lori and Melinda are sentenced to 60 years in the Indiana women's prison in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis uh, with maximum time reduced for good behavior. Lori is released in 2018. Crazy. Melinda. Yeah, the ringleader of all of it is released on September 5th of 2019 after serving only 26 years. You've told me a story that took place back in the early 1990s. Mm-hmm. And I know nothing else about these women. Mm-hmm. In that scope of information, what you've said is crazy. Mm-hmm. The, for what they have what they I have, did and i, I didn't know even... no idea who those women are now mm-hmm. and how they've been in prison and all those other things but what you've said seems crazy yeah and i didn't even tell you everything that they did to shonda yeah. they went way across the line on all levels it it was insane what they did to her it was heinous you sprinkle on top of that how awful are jails and prisons mm-hmm. are and you can't think that they were rehabilitated statistically they're not better people yeah that suddenly have a different moral compass and that 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 part of the concern from when they were young has been rectified and adjusted yeah it has i'll leave room for that but statistically that's not true yeah um what a Everything about your story is yucky. Yeah. And that was the story of uh, Shonda Sharer. Um, my sources are uh, thoughtco.com, uh, the murder of Shonda Sharer, and Wikipedia. I feel like Thoughtco has really detailed stuff. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I've ever used them before. I think, though, they had I amazing... think I've used them like two, two times before. Yeah. No, it was really good. Um, we are going to take a short break, mm-hmm. and we'll be right back after our mid-roll. We'll be right back. cocktails oh my god stop it mid roll (laughs) it's mid roll time mid roll um right off top we always like to thank our sponsors so thank you so much for kathleen you have a recurring donation and that means the world to us muchas gracias oh the nada (laughs) which is what i think kathleen would say (laughs) 
Um, but as always, guys, if um, you don't have the means to donate, um, you can always pop over to iTunes and you can leave us a really cool review. And we if love... you need some kind of inspiration of what to say. I'm going to read you a review. This is a relatively recent one. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, longtime listener, first time writer. Uh-huh. Jackie and Drea kill me. I love learning to make drinks and I would only ever order at a... Wait. I love learning to make drinks I would only ever order at a bar or restaurant. It's awesome. They tell jokes and their laughter is infectious. You almost forget how gruesome Drea's stories actually are <laughs> when Jackie interrupts, which as an interrupter, I enjoy. Is that what she said? Yes. Oh, my God. That's why you picked that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, keep up the great storytelling and responding to Instagram DMs. Oh, I love that. I Yeah. I love reading the comments. It's fun. Reviews. Yeah. Whenever we get a new one, like it creates a text flurry of, Look yeah. At this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so again, if you guys can, please donate. If not, hop on over to iTunes or tell a friend about the podcast who mm-hmm. preferably likes true crime and cocktails. Yeah. If it's someone who likes, um, you know, stories about kittens, probably not going to like it. No, 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 no. Um, also, guys, uh, we have some updates on our upcoming live shows. Plural. Plural, guys. Multiple. So if you are bummed out that you can't come to Gompers on March uh, 27th. Which, be there or be square. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It has a really cool vibe. It's definitely like Roaring Twenties kind of vibe. Um, but that's March uh, 27th. Uh, if you get there at 6.30, you can have a cocktail hour with um, all three of us. Oh, wow. And then the show starts at 7.15. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be real good. It's going to be good. And we have another live show coming up at Cascade Street Distilling. And that's going to be Sunday, April 27th at 3 p.m. That is a great little spot. Oh, sorry. 3 p.m. cocktail hour show is at 3.30. Perfect. So we'll do a little day drinking with you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, also, um, shout out to New Basin because they've always been so great um, working with I us. I love those guys. I love the stuff they make. Their spot mm-hmm. is cool. They are cool. They're doing a really cool distilling event on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Fun. Spots are limited. But, Jackie, do you like good friends and whiskey? Oh, yeah. Have you ever wanted to learn how to distill whiskey? I'm curious, actually, having gone to those other distilleries. Well, hot damn, this event might be for you. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Okay. Um, you I can, laughed. <laughs> you could go to New Basin and distill your own whiskey. That is rad. They'll walk you through the process. I'm guessing it's smaller batches. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just right over out in Madras. It's $100. Bucks. Um, it's from 5.30 until 8.30 p.m., and that's on March 17th. Um, but that sounds like such a cool thing, because we, I don't know, I'd always... I, you always go to learn about it, but I think physically doing it would really... Yes. I, Shelby and her fellow just went and made beer at Immersion, mm-hmm. and she said it was like... So much fun. Uber fun. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, kind of like making your own perf- perfume, though, and it just comes out real bad. You know how you're Hard like, to know. I, I want chocolate and vanilla I, and bark. I bet they try and guide you to a nice beverage, yeah, but you can't protect people from their own stupidity. Yeah. If you're going to insist upon... Making a slug whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's going to taste like it's slugs. It's going to happen. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what we could make. If I'm, ours I'm curious good. what... I feel like we would choose different notes. notes. Mm. Yeah. Chocolate. You know, ba- dif- different. Bacon. Yeah. You'd be mm. definitely very savory, salty mm-hmm. notes. Blah, 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 blah. That was me getting excited for salty things. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, also, a big, big, big thank you to Oregon Spirit Distillers. Um, Shelly saw us floundering on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, with the death in the afternoon. Um, and she's like, she's hey, like oh, oh, child. Hey, ladies. <laughs> you're doing it wrong with absinthe. <laughs> Let me help you. Um, How much did you put? Way too much. <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. You never want to go over like 0.75 ounces. Yeah, like, we, we definitely did. Yeah, that could be why it turned out so We bad. don't know these um, things. But she's been really helpful in giving us a lot of tips and tricks. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and that kind of wraps up my mineral um, digestion se- session. <laughs> I hope you guys keep enjoying the show. Bye. Hey, guys. We're back from a break. And what a break it was. Oh, God. We did so many things. We thought we were going to eat. And then I was like, no, no, no. We got to finish recording. And I was like, mm, but I'm hungry. When we finish, we'll get to eat. And it's going to be delicious. I'm going to need you to give me the cliff notes of your story. We're eating meats and potatoes. We're going to... She's making us tri-tip right I'm now. I'm excited. Kimberly is the best executive producer I've ever had. Don't you all wish you were here? <laughs> Some of them do. <laughs> All right. We're fun. We're incredibly fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sincere when I said they wished they were here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you tried to back it up so it was like leave room for them to be okay that they aren't here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But everyone should be jealous. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Are you going to jump right in? Let's go back. Back into time. Okay. Uh, Woodstock took place in like August of 1969. Okay. So that was in upstate New York. It's flower power, hippie. It's really muddy. Yes. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough bathrooms. They weren't ready for all those people. No, but they learned a lot from Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. were like, oh, my God. And everyone's like, ugh, I, I didn't make it to Woodstock. I wished I had gone. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. So now you've got all these California West Coast bands. Uh-huh. Who either were at Woodstock or wished they had been. But they're like, we need... We need a West Coast Woodstock. Mm. Um, let's Lollapalooza. Yeah, no, not Coachella. At all. No, you are so current in your thinking. <laughs> Burning Man. Oh my god. <laughs> so you've got all these current bands, and they're like, let's throw our own free concert, mm. and let's get some like big bands to play it. So you've got the Grateful Dead, who are a San Francisco band. What does a Grateful Dead make you uh, for, for sale? Uh, shout out Caroline. Uh-huh. Grateful Dead. <laughs> what does a Grateful Dead make you think of? Um, a band I don't really know. It should make you think of O'Kane's okay. at McMinniman's. Really? The Fireside Bar. Oh. How? Oh, Drea. What? Every time you go to O'Kane's, you will hear no music that is not the Grateful Dead. That's it's- the whole theme of that bar. I'm going to need you to not be mad at me. You don't I- know what bar I'm talking about? No, no, I don't know. I couldn't name you a Grateful Dead song to save my life. Okay. Well, I'll play some for you. They're right. very... You know, like Yellow Card? But... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that they're a famous band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You There's know a skeleton place- involved? Maybe? Oh, you're imagining the skeleton bear, like the... Uh, there's some icon... Like, imagery that gets drawn up with... Okay. The Grateful Dead, for sure. sure. Bears? Hmm. Yeah, All like right. a... I was just so thinking of fa- a skeleton. This is so fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I think of Rogue Brewery. I, I logo. will help you be familiar with this. Is, <laughs> this is worse than I thought <laughs> in terms of your musical history understanding. They're rock. They're yes. They're very famous hippie counterculture. Hate Nashbury. How famous? If I don't know them. Oh my god, <laughs> you're infuriating. Okay. 
The Grateful Dead are a big deal. Okay, they're. A big, I've heard about them once or twice. They're a big deal in the Bay Area, and the whole thing is like they've been playing all these free concerts at Golden Gate Park, and they're a they're a big band, Drea. So it's yeah. a big deal that they're just putting on free concerts. How big? Like Tiesto big? What? Who? Skrillex? Oh my God! Dead stop. mouse. You have to stop. You have to stop. <laughs> so anyway they're putting they're putting on these concerts and like it's just kind of a thing they do yeah all right so the grateful dead is like let's have a concert uh but these are like all their concerts they've been doing for free are pretty informal you have to like word of mouth they just show up and it's like oh my god they're down at golden gate park you gotta get here but no one has cell phones so like do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. how quickly can it carry your pigeons really? yes exactly yeah. Okay, so they're like, all right, let's create our own little West Coast Woodstock. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're gonna, So Woodstock happens in August. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're going to do this by the end of the year. Ooh, they're jelly. Yeah, it's very, they're jelly and they have a very short timeline. Yeah, because then it gets cold. Yeah, well, and also like they just, they want to finish it at the end, by the end of the year. Gotcha. Not a lot of time. So they call up their buddies. They get Jefferson Airplane to agree. Uh-huh. Big band. I yeah. can see nothingness in your face you have no idea who they are huge band okay uh i've never heard of santana i know him he's part of a band called santana he's carlos santana but the band is santana oh my god that's the eagle how embarrassing um which santana beer and eater and beer oh you're in you're you kind of get it you know i know i know i know santana what about this one okay crosby stills nash and young Nothing? No. I heard Crosby Jar from Rashmiyak. <laughs> Crosby Stills now. It's like a super group of like David Crosby. Okay, no. nothing. All right. Then I'll give you this one if you don't know this one, but the Flying Burrito Brothers. No. Okay. Le- I like burritos. Known. Famous famous at the time. <laughs> Brothers Less are right. known now. Uh, so I have written in here a note that goes, Drea, have you heard of any of these fans? Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew no. you wouldn't know. All right. I'm just seeing where your pillow is at. It's okay. creeping. All right. So at this time, you've got all these like West Coast bands and they're like, yes, we're going to do this concert and they're going to getting everybody to agree to it. And this is, even though you don't know who any of these people are, yeah. this is amazing that yeah. it's gelling and coming together. Kind of like Beyonce. I know Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. This is who I'm imagining. Yes. It's Beyonce and yeah. other people. Dead Mouse. So now, now I'm going to give you a little bit more context. Okay. They're like, okay, who's the biggest band in the world? Kygo. In 1969. <laughs> oh. 1969, who's the biggest band in the world? 1969? Yeah. Not Backstreet Boys. The Beatles. Oh, if you can't fudge. get the Beatles. Who, I know the Beatles. If you can't get the Beatles, who are you going to get? The Beatles. If you can't get oh. the Beatles. Ringo Starr. Oh, my God. <laughs> Michael Fronte. No. God damn it. The Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're really big. Arguably. the Who are those two guys that did the thing in the garage for a while? They're real big. I like them. Black Keys. Oh, my God. Stop talking about music in the late 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. No, they're older. It's 1969. <laughs> your eyes are bugging it's out of your head. It's crazy. You know I don't know names. Okay. I bet you if you put a song on, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I know this. Yeah. But I don't know who. <sighs> okay. I'm sorry for the way that but I let am. Me, let me take you. Let, like, let's okay. leave yeah. our time. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to transport you to 1969. 
and I'm because you know nothing about it, I'm going to tell you about it. Perfect. Okay. So you've got all these West Coast bands, and they're like, let's make our own amazing concert. Who could headline such a concert? Who would be the biggest people in the world? We can't get the Beatles. The Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're arguably the right there rivaling with the Beatles as yeah. the biggest band in the world. 100%. The Rolling Stones happen to be in America. They are in the middle of, a, or they're ending a U.S. tour. The Rolling Stones couldn't go to Woodstock because they were in the middle of a U.S. tour and it didn't sync up with the dates. So everyone's like, oh my God, you got to get the Rolling Stones. And they're like, okay, we got to get the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So they reach out to the Rolling Stones management and they're like, hey, will you guys be a part of... So first of all, this is like November when they're reaching out to them about a concert that's going to take place in December. Whoa. They're like, hey, will you guys be a part of this free concert? And here's some... And you've got like a bunch of big bands asking you to be a part of this thing. So the Freddie Rolling Mercury a thing right now? He is a thing. He's not ah. a part of this, but he's a thing. He's in Queen. Okay. So you've got... So uh, Mick Jagger is Rolling Stones. Yeah. Mick Jagger. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you're making a face at my impression. All right. So they reach out to them. Here's the other thing. The Rolling Stones had a very expensive concert. It was a, it was like the ticket prices uh-huh. were a ton to go see them. Yeah. And especially in the Bay Area, they got ripped a new one in like the San Francisco Chronicle or somebody was like, oh my God, it's so expensive to go see the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And they had just played in like early November. But they're like on a world tour, right? They are, they're... but they're but they're asking more than any other band. Oh. So well. there's a little bit of flack about how expensive it is to see them. Yeah. At the same time, they're also recording a documentary. They've got this film crew that's just Ooh. following them around. Doesn't really have a purpose yet. They're just making a documentary yeah. about the Stones being on tour. Yeah. And that's kind of novel at the time. That's not a normal, normal thing. So they reach out to the Rolling Stones management and they're like, hey, this would be awesome. It's a lot of goodwill to your fans who feel like you kind of gouged them on prices. This is a free concert with the Rolling Stones. You've got this documentary film crew running around with you. Like, this is going to be awesome and good publicity. Um, and you've got a bunch of really big bands. Like, this is going to be a really big thing. You guys should be a part of it. And the Rolling Stones are like, boom, we're in. Yeah. So they have these huge headliners. Okay. So, they get all that sorted out. So, you've got the Grateful Dead who've been having all these free concerts in Golden Gate Park. So, immediately, everyone's like, Golden Gate Park. That's where we're going to hold. Like, it's a bit, it's huge. Have you been to Golden Gate Park or parts of Golden Gate Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, yeah. big. You can definitely hold. Like, it's where they do, uh, there's like a bluegrass festival that goes through there. It's really fun. But anyway, so... Golden Gate Park is like, mm, nah, we're not into it. We've been doing a lot of really big concerts. There's a 49ers game that like isn't playing at Candlestick. It's somewhere near them for some reason. And they're like, we're just, we're not into it. And we don't want to do it. So San Francisco is kind of out. And they're like, oh, okay. Uh-oh. That's what we were going to. All right. So then they start kind of like scrounging around. And then they're like, okay, let's go to Sears Point Raceway. Because mm-hmm. that dude's willing to rent us the space. And again, they're putting on a free concert. So all of them have to put up all this money. Yeah. And it's all just kind of like good publicity, hippie, like it's all love. Like we want it to be this whole big thing. And everyone's yeah. being really far out about it. Uh-huh. So they get everything like nailed in. And again, all this happening super fast. So they get Sears Point like dialed in. That's where it's going to be. And Sears Point is, if you can think of like where... Uh, it's North Bay, where like Stinson Beach and John Muir, uh, like uh, Point Reyes National Seashore, like all of that. If you go inland a little bit, there's a racetrack that's right there. So this guy gets it all, he gets it all rented out. Then he finds out that they have a film crew and he's like, oh, I, I want 100K more. Whoa. And they're like, whoa, why? They're like, I don't, 
I don't know. He's just, and that's a rumor that that yeah. is the reasoning. But so, like, negotiations fall through with the owners of the Sears Point. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we don't have, and they've already started building a stage. They've already oh, started doing geez. stuff. And they're like, okay, uh, whew, pivot. So that's, I'm going to say December Whoa, we're in first December? or second. <gasps> and the concert's going to be on the 6th. Oh, this isn't good. No. So on December 4th, concert's on the 6th. They're like, all right, we need a new spot. They find Altamont Raceway, which is essentially Livermore. Yeah. So really inland. It's, you know, well over an hour away from Sears Point. And, totally and people have already, like, booked hotels probably. To, like, no, because they, like, they announced the concert, like, November 26th. Yeah, but they said it's going to be in. Kind at, of. At Sears. But they also hadn't had it all. No, the contracts yeah. aren't signed. Like, they hadn't figured it out. So they're just, out. like, free concert. Free concert. Somewhere in California. Stay tuned. Yeah. So now. Kind of like our live show so at Coppers in Redmond. <laughs> on the radio, they're like, listen, everybody, there's going to be a free concert at Altamont, but we got, we need your help. Who has 24 miles of cabling that they can give us? What? Who has a truck? Do you want to move stuff that's all the way at Sears Point, all the way out to Altamont? And they just are like, help us? Like in what avenue? Like in the newspaper, on the no, radio? radio. On, on the radio. What? Listen up, listeners who yeah, love yeah, rock yeah. and roll. There's going to be a free concert. It's on December 6th at Altamont, but we got to build everything. Help us. Yeah. And the community comes together. Hell yeah, they and do. And moves it all. Yeah. So they get everything they need, and it's all, and like... And they kind of like sight unseen, like one random guy who didn't really have the authority to like signs the contract for Altamont. Like everything is so last minute, not thought out. Yeah. Just pushing it to make oh, it happen. No. Is this going to be like a fire festival? It's, <gasps> it gets, there's some ties to okay. that. Um, so everything is very haphazard, but they're like, just make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. They don't have enough bathrooms. There's no people selling food. They're like, it's Ooh. mayhem. Fresh water. Here's the biggest deal. They built a stage for Sears Point Raceway. Uh-huh. But they're not holding the concert at Sears Point Raceway. They're holding it in Altamont. Sears Point had the bands on a stage at the top of a hill. So people so could this, look up. So people could look up. The stage was very short. Yeah. At Altamont, the stage is at the bottom of a hill. <gasps> this stage oh, no. is as high as your knee. Imagine oh no being able to step up no onto a stage where you're with world class musicians. This concert is going to have three hundred thousand people. Oh no! And they're at the bottom of a hill. And they're at the bottom of a Gravity hill. Gravity's going to on a stage oh, no. with no. Oh no! And I bet you security. They don't have a lot of security. Funny you should bring up security. Oh no! So. At the time, the Rolling Stones were already embroiled in legal issues in London for pot. Okay. And all the bands in California, the West Coast, like all these bands are like, oh, we do not want the police here because all of us, it's going to smell a little skunky by our trailers. <laughs> no reason. And we definitely don't want the fuzz. Yeah. So everyone kind of agrees. We definitely cannot have the police as security. And Altamont, again, all these contracts are super low. Like no one's paying very much because it's a free concert. Altamont, their security is just to protect their property. Oh, no. So they're not really <gasps> supplying security for the bands or for the people that are going. So what do they come up with? So at many of these Grateful Dead shows, they've had a bunch of people who were part of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club. 
Okay. Who are kind of looked at as this like counterculture, long hair, draw like they're kind of they're kind of in the same vein. They they intermingle with hippies pretty well, mm-hmm. is kind of the thinking. And like Grace Slick, the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane, again, she's uber famous and this band is super big. Mm. She tells <laughs> I'm, That's cool that they have a lady singer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll play a lot of this music for you. We'll <laughs> I'll help you learn all these things. But so uh, she's like, oh, dude, we've had the Hells Angels be security in quotation marks at a bunch of our concerts. They're mm-hmm. super great. Like, they just keep people off the stage. They're not security guards. They're not monitoring the crowd. Like, they just help keep people off the stage. And they're, oh. they're good at that. Oh. We've never had an issue with them. I think this is going to be bad. So David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, he's like, um, anyone who thinks that has no experience with the Hells Angels, all they want to do is fight. This is a misogynistic... Sex, sexist, racist, like at the time, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what how the Hell's Angels are now. Um, but there's a definite connotation of you've got the hippy dippy flower power Bay Area, but a lot of the Hell's Angels is all Eastern California, like Eastern Bay Area, which is still at the time very racist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, so this these are your security guards. And they go to the Hells Angels. So they get a meeting all set up and they they go, all right. And there's here's where some de- debate comes in. So let me uh, read this to you. So this is a quote. There's a really great Washington Post article that's also a podcast. So you can listen to it or you can read it. Um, and they, a, really, a bunch of really great interviews with people. So this is an interview with uh, Flash Gordon Grow, who is a member of the San Francisco chapter of Hells Angels at the time. He's like, this is what they say to him. All you got to do is just keep people off the stage. And they're like, yeah, no problem. We can do that. And they asked him, like, what do you want for that? And he's like, well, we're not cops. We're not security guards. You can just give us some beer. Mm, while I'm on duty. So here's the arrangement. No. The Hells Angels will be paid $500 in beer, which is half of a Boilermaker. My tie is beer. Yeah, do you see my face? Yeah, you're you're not you're annoyed. <laughs> um, I was like five hundred, and I was trying to do the math with what we did with the cocktail, and I was like, I don't remember doing half of. Oh, you're just saying beer. Yeah. All right. So the Hell's Angels are paid in beer, mm-hmm. and the agreement is all you have to do is sit on the corner of the stage, like all of you just sit on the stage mm-hmm. and drink free beer mm-hmm. and keep people from getting on the stage. While they're working, they're drinking their beer. They're not work like they're not working. It's just an arrangement. Yeah. Drink beer and keep people off the stage. Yeah, that's, that's a- the agreement. Yeah. How about you do keep people off the stage and then you get to drink? No, they're drinking and keeping people off the <gasps> stage. Do you see that is there gonna be a problem? Yes. Alright, so So much. First of all, it's just kind of hot. Mm-hmm. It's December, so it's probably not that hot. But when I think of that part of California, I think mm-hmm. of it as just being kind of hot. It's probably like 68 degrees. There's, I'll have to show. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I'll show you pictures when we're done. Like, there were so many more people than I think. Like, when you read about it and yeah. you see pictures, you're like, good Ugh. god, there are so many people. Because, like, you see those concerts that are just packed full of people. And then it's just like, what if you're that middle dude and yeah. you have to pee? Are you peeing right there? They're peeing right there. No. What if you need? What if you need a snack? So here's the other thing. You've got and like 
people are on acid people are hot like oh. there's mayhem there's no like you have to park super far away mm-hmm. and then you gotta walk are to... people camping close no. by too no okay there was some camping that I, again they've got people who are showing up early to help them set up yeah. and they're camping through the night yeah but most people are driving in dealing with traffic parking hiking a little ways to get to the concert okay so to give you a sense of so at 3 p.m Mick Jagger arrives on a helicopter. 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 I did say it weird. <laughs> on a helicopter, lands. What a badass. He gets off. <laughs> fan runs up, <gasps> punches him in what? the fucking face, a and fan? goes, I hate you. A f- okay, so I mean, not a fan. fan. Quotation marks. What? So that's what's happening when he arrives in the middle of the day. The concert's already like in taken off. In the middle of the day. Yeah. The stones are supposed to go on at night. He got out of his chopper and he got punched in the face. I hate you. We need security when we get out of our choppers. Security's busy drinking beers on stage. No. There is no security. Okay, so from the very beginning, this is not a peaceful concert. Yeah. From like the setup and like just you've had the Hells Angels around. Like it's just a different vibe. Okay, so first of all, the Hells Angels and like when you talk, like all the interviews with them, they're like, that's what we were told to do. Yeah. But there's all these people, and they're like, blah, 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 All of them uh-huh. on their bikes. Yeah. Get out of the way or you're getting run over by a motorcycle. Yeah. Drive down the middle of this concert. What? To then park their motorcycles by the stage and take their seats. Wow. So it's just this, like, we're here. Yeah. Don't fuck with us. Don't mess with us. Um, So... I know you kind of talked about the bands. Are we doing like hippy dippy love music or is this like rock music? It's rock. Uh, you'll classify it as rock. Uh-huh. So Santana comes on and Santana's very, a little bit more um, existential-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to... I'll, I know a Santana I won't take song. a break and play me. He did that, that uh, collaboration with Rob Thomas when we were probably in like high school. Okay, that didn't help you. I don't know who Rob Thomas is. <laughs> He's from Matchbox 20. Oh my god, this is so funny. I I also don't know who you that is. You know names and it's so funny. <laughs> all right. Anyway. But think about all the things I do know I, instead of know names. I know so many things. Not really. Okay, so Santana opens the concert. They're the opening act and fights break out during the first song. Ugh. Hell's Angels are jumping in. They have sawed off pool cues. That they're using what? as like pokey oh my, weapons. No. They're like jabbing people and hitting them. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh no. Okay, so Santana uh at one oh, so Santana finishes. Now Jefferson Airplane takes on. Jefferson Airplane is a huge I can't explain to you. They're huge. They're a very big band. Like the Beatles. They're not that big, but they're very big. Okay. At one point, the guitarist for Jefferson Airplane gets punched in the mouth by a Hell's Angel. What? There's he said, yeah, because like they were being unruly and he's like, hey man, knock it off. He's like yelling at him and the guy comes over and he's like, you don't fucking say shit to a Hell's Angel. <gasps> Pops him in the mouth. Guy's knocked out cold. <laughs> and he's used like, and he knows this, this specific Hell's Angel. He knows him because he's worked concerts with him before. What? The guy comes to <gasps> and the Hell's Angel's in his face and he's like, you know better than to say anything about a Hell's Angel. Whoa. And then he's like, yeah, but like he start and he's like, boom, <gasps> knocks him out again. What? It's bad. The crowd is going insane at this point, right? They're revolting. Yes, but They're no, everyone's people. terrified. Three hundred thousand. Okay, what you said? so after them, then the so what this proves is that even the bands are scared of the Hell's Angels. Yeah. So the flying They're burrito, people. the flying burrito brothers come on and they. <sighs> 
<laughs> Are you? Did you make up a band name I and put it in there? I didn't. But I was unfamiliar with them, and I've been playing their music all uh, week, uh-huh. and I really like them. Uh huh. Burrito bu- Brothers. The Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> but it's a little bit more mellow than the other bands. Okay. So they kind of calm everybody down. Everyone's like, all right, we got the Flying Burrito Brothers. Like, all right, it's real. Woo, here we go. <laughs> so the Flying Burrito Brothers play. Then uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young go out. So again, David Crosby's on record as being like, we ha- if we say we're going to play a show, we're going to play a show. Mm. But everything about this is scary as hell. Yeah. So they go out and they play. And again, they're terrified of the crowd. They're terrified of the Hells Angels. Like yeah. everything's just scary. Yeah, yeah. And there's fights. There's just a million fights. There's these talks of this like big naked guy who's like dancing in quotation marks, no. but he's pretending like he's <gasps> dancing. He's just stomping on people. What? So he's stomping on people. He's and like the- knocking people over. Yes, and stomping, stomping on them on. naked. Yes, and the Hell's Ew. Angels who are acting as security run out and beat the shit up out of that guy, but they like <gasps> almost murder him in their beating him him up. No. I don't like any of this. All of this is so scary. So all this is middle of the goddamn day. Meanwhile, Mick Jagger's showing up on a helicopter getting punched in the face. <laughs> That's so bad. So now it's time for the Grateful Dead to play. They've arranged the concert. All of this, if you're going to tie this to one group, yeah, yeah. this was the Grateful Dead's idea. Gotcha. They see all the mayhem and they're like, peace out. We're going back they to They left? They, and like, there's like interviews <laughs> with them where they're like, you know, that scene wasn't like our music. We can't play our music to that kind of vibe. Uh-huh. It just and you're like, you assholes. You left because they you left. were scared. They were scared and they left. Wouldn't Which, you? You can't really judge. Like, Wouldn't you? So there's a lot of debate about them leaving. So there are people who are like, you leaving created more problems. Uh-huh. And there's people who are like, you can't blame them for leaving. It was yeah. scary. Well, I don't know the rest of your story. I think a mob thing is going to ensue. But wouldn't you leave at that point? If you saw Mick Jagger getting punched in the face, Nobody getting off his chopper. Lot, well, maybe the Grateful Dead saw Or you that or heard, heard about, about it. it. For sure. And then you're, they you're, definitely knew about the dude on stage getting punched yeah, by Yeah, and you're angel. seeing this mayhem out yes. in the crowd. It's and you, very scary. You feel the energy. Oh, mm. I'm a bailer. You, I think I would. You know I would bail. <laughs> I'm a bailer. You Would you take me with you? Yeah. Okay. Get on. I'm not holding the chopper. No, no, no. You'd on. be like Dre, and I'll be like, No, I'm it's already there. Time to go. <laughs> okay. So here's what happens. Yeah. Because the Grateful Dead don't play, they're and they're like later in the day, like they're going to be the last. They're set. right because again, they're like they're like the co-headliner almost. Okay. The Rolling Stones are coming on at night. Their name is real big on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Stones is the biggest, but theirs is right there. Yeah, yeah. And they're a local band. The other thing is like they're the most <gasps> local of all the bands. Oh. Every, like there's a bunch of people there to see them yeah so by them not playing the rolling stones had planned on everything revolves around them playing at night it's yeah. not nighttime <gasps> plus the bassist isn't even there yet he's shopping in san francisco he <laughs> he had he had plenty of time because he's helicoptering in oh don't do that he had plenty of time to get to the concert Is on he time buying like a pocket square uh, who knows <laughs> he's out there having fun having some uh, deli chocolate he's getting a new centaur but what <laughs> but what he what this causes is 75 minutes of nothing happening no. a dead stage it's kind of hot yeah Again, i might be making up the hot no you part. get the intern jacob it's, up it's there it's sunny like just nothing's going on you have jacob the intern go do jokes so the stones can't bump up their set because their band isn't there uh-huh all right so when they finally take the stage it's nighttime yeah 75 minutes of silence the stone like the stones are scared yeah they've 
They don't have any they've stones. Been punched in the face. They've watched fights break out. They've been watching people get beat up with cue sticks. The stones kind of take the attitude of if we don't play, there will be a riot. Uh-huh. And if we don't play, the Hells Angels might beat us up. Yeah. So they're they're like, we gotta play. Not if you run fast enough. So they get and again, they're playing on a stage that is as high as your goddamn knee. Mm-hmm. Stones take the stage. What happens at a concert the moment the headliner comes on? Everyone loses it. Everyone pushes to the stage. Oh no. So you've got all these people running downhill, <gasps> shoving each other. And they're drunk. To get to and high on LSD and high on there's like, no there's no water and there's no food. It's just mayhem. People pooping themselves. Pooping nope. like there's just poop hands everywhere. No, they're pushing their way to the stage. <gasps> but what meets them at the stage? The, are hell's, the hell's angels. Angel. Yeah. So I don't mean to like. It's not that in front of the stage are all these motorcycles, but they're cl- they're all yeah. within eyesight yeah. of the the bikers, and so their whole thing is like this guy goes in this tirade about like everything that is your world is your bike, mm-hmm. and he like and he'll go into. I'm not going to go into crazy detail about it, but it's everything. He goes, and you're watching people sit on your bike, kick your bike over. They're treating your bike because they're mad at you. They're like, you're being aggressive or I don't like you or whatever. Um, And he goes, and here's the thing. You think that because there's 300,000 people that I don't know who's hitting my bike, the moment I watch you specifically kick my bike over, I'm going to push through 50 people to fucking kick your ass. They're aggressive. Yeah. So... The crowd's not being cool. The Hells Angels aren't being cool. You've got this mad push up to the stage. The Hells Angels are trying to keep everybody back. They're drunk. Mick Mick Jagger, who is like oozes confidence. They've got this document. So all this is being filmed. Oh, yeah. Mick is super scared. He like knocks over his mic stand and is like picking it up. And he keeps being like, be cool, everybody. Brothers and sisters, let's all be cool. And he's like trying to calm everybody down. Yeah. Well outside of his control. So they start the concert and there's mayhem that kind of takes place maybe three songs in. Yeah. And Mick doesn't really know what happened. He's like, hey, I, I don't know. Is everybody okay down there? I don't really know what happened. Um, and then he's being told, like, somebody comes up and they're like, somebody had a gun. And then Mick's like, okay. And they're like, but they took him out. Like, all of it's good. We're fine. Uh-huh. Keep playing. So then he starts. And then uh, Keith Richards, who later is in an interview, and they're like, and Keith Richards like gets kind of mad, and he's like, "If you all, like, if everyone doesn't, he's talking to the Hell's Angels. He's like, if you guys don't calm down, we're not gonna play anymore." And this guy comes up and he's like, "You're gonna play," and like they're being aggressively told, "You don't get to stop playing." Yeah. And again, they already know people have been like band members have already been beat up, so they're like, "We're gonna finish the show." So there's not only like the aggression of being physically scared, yeah, but they also know if they stop playing, how the crowd is being. There's going to be a riot. Yeah. So the Rolling Stones finish their set. After their set finishes, they learn that a fan has died. (gasps) So now let's rewind and let's go back. There's a man named Meredith Hunter Mm -hmm. who is 17 years old. Oh. And he's uh, African-American. He lives... I want to say like Marysville maybe, but he's from like the greater Bay Area. He's got a girlfriend who's white who goes to school at Berkeley High. So they met like he was like hanging out across the street at a park and like the way she's like, he was super fly. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and he dresses super like at that concert. The reason he stands out so well in all the videos is because he's in a lime green suit. Oh, wow. Top hat. Yeah. Like dude is fly. So 
Uh, he'd just gone to the Monterey Jazz Festival. Where yeah, like, it's huge. Yeah. I'm from Monterey, so. So now you suddenly, a Sly and the Family Stone, are you familiar with this band? No. No. So he, had, <laughs> back in the 60s, he had gone to that and he was like, oh my God, it was amazing. Yeah. So that was a bunch, of, that was like, it was a jazz festival and a little bit more like mixes of races at that concert. He didn't get to go to Woodstock, but he heard about Woodstock. So now you've got this like Woodstock-ish concert coming. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is going to be, aw- I just went to this amazing concert. This is going to be what I'm hearing about from over there. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. So he gets his uh, girlfriend to agree to go with him. And his sister's kind of concerned. So she sounds a little bit older. Like she's on some of these recordings too. And she's got a husband who worked in like the greater Bay Area. And she's like, I used to go on rides with him. Like I'd help him do like deliveries and stuff. And she goes, when you get out into like the East Bay Area, there were still burning crosses from the Ku Klux Klan. This is not the flower child Bay Area, Bay Area. It's very different when you start getting into the outskirts. So she was super concerned for her brother. And she's like, this isn't a concert taking place in San Francisco. This is a concert taking place in a little bit rougher spot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she knew about the Hells Angels, but like she was concerned about her brother. And he's like, ah, whatever, whatever. So they drive out. They park. You have to park super far away. Uh, they walk in and like he's just kind of getting hassled. The whole, there's there's a couple different there's people who say a lot of this is his fault and there's people who are like no if you kind of look at the scope of the whole day it kind of makes a little bit more sense he's getting hassled by the hell's angels all day long they're yeah. chasing him through the crowd they're what? being rough with him um and there's some like eyewitness to back mm-hmm. that up um so at one point his girlfriend is like and it might it's probably while while the grateful dead aren't playing and there's like a, a dead yeah. set going on but she's like I, there's nowhere to sit there's just literally thousands of people so she's like i'm gonna go back to the car with my friend so she goes back to the car they're just hanging out she's kind of over like she's been watching fights all day she's kind of worried about meredith to begin with and he eventually comes back and he's like we gotta go like the stones are gonna come on like let's go back like come back with me and she's like no i don't really want to she's kind of hesitant and he pops the trunk she didn't know that he had brought a gun But he pops the trunk and he has a 22 in the trunk. Okay. So he takes the gun and he's like, this is, and she's like, what are you doing with that? And he's like, this is just for protection. I keep getting hassled. I, I, I'm not. Do we find out why he was being hassled or singled out? Because he was black. He was, okay. Is essentially kind of what they're saying. Yeah. Um, Now, what's like the mixture of the crowd? Is it like, because it's, I'm guessing it's a mixture of people from San Francisco and so it's you, probably predominantly white. Okay. Um, but you you do have other races. Now it's far more diverse in the Bay Area, but back in probably the late 60s, I would think oh, it's still right. predominantly okay. white. So, and while in the Bay Area, Bay Area, the fact that they're an interracial couple is probably fine. It's not as cool at this concert, and they're getting a little bit of flack for it. Okay. So... He brings her back out. So now they're like, we're, he's like, let's get up to the front. Like, he's a concert goer. He's like, let's get up to the front. So they're like wheedling their way up oh, there. No. So they get up there. And again, he's had a couple skirmishes already with the Hells Angels for unknown reasons. And she doesn't, she can't really speak to this either. Meredith draws the 22 out of, out of his pocket. Yeah. And a Hells Angel sees him <gasps> drawing this gun. Oh, no. And oh, no. immediately tackles him and just stabs him. <gasps> oh, no. So from the Hells Angels perspective, he's sitting on this stage. Mm. Here comes this dude who's raising a gun at the stage. Yeah. So Meredith, while he's getting beat up and stabbed, 
to a degree says, I wasn't going to shoot you, which there's a, there's a lot of back and forth where his girlfriend's like, in no way was he trying to shoot Mick Jagger or any of the Rolling yeah. Stones. Yeah. He'd been hassled by the, by the uh, Hells Angels all day. He had to have been pointing at a Hells Angel because he'd just been, he'd also been punched in the face by one. Yeah. Um, but then, like, while he's getting beat up, he's telling them it wasn't about you. So there's yeah. a lot of conflicting stuff. But Meredith dies. Oh. And he's taken away on a stretcher. Yeah. And also that night, somebody high on LSD fell into an irrigation canal and drowned. <gasps> oh, my gosh. There was a car accident that I think took two people's lives. And it is known as kind of the end of the flower power. Like, it ended the 60s in literally the opposite of yeah. what Woodstock was. Oh. And is one of the most tragic rock and roll concerts. How awful. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That's so different than Woodstock. <laughs> and that's the story of the Altamont free concert. There's just there's another part. There's another concert where like they the were like concert where they got trampled yeah where they were like waiting 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 and then they got there late and they started doing practice and people thought they were missing the concert and then mm. they pushed yeah so that that many people all in one area it's like scary yeah because like with my story you, we were talking about like herd mentality you get a mm-hmm. couple people together and blah 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 but you think masses of people three hundred thousand who, who are hot they're hungry they're dehydrated they're on drugs possibly there's like, and that's and that's part of like later during the autopsy, he had methamphetamine in his system. So it's like, is he just high on meth and he's running towards it? Like you know, you've got his girlfriend who obviously has a vested interest in him not being portrayed as a monster. Yeah. Um. You. I, there's just there's it's probably a mixture of everything. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's a little fire festival in there with the mishaps of everything. Yeah. Man, did any of those bands ever do a a joint concert again together with each other? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. That's awful. Thanks, Jackie. You're welcome. There's your bummer. All right. Well, we're currently in bummer town, population us and everyone listening. So let's do a little self-care. And I have a a joke pun thing for you. Okay. So when my friend fell asleep at the bar, I poured ale on him. It was a brute awakening. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kimri, okay, fuck. I'm, oh, sorry. Um, Kimri just told me this one. There's no way you're going to be able to retell me this joke. There's a Scandinavian Navy. <laughs> Norwegian. There's a Navy. You already ruined the joke. She said it in the beginning, too. <laughs> I'm doing exactly what she said. There's a Navy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of them. So they put barcos on the on the because they're organized yeah because they they gotta keep track of their their army the navy and and the barcodes on the the side of the ship and they leave okay yeah and then they have to come back because they have families and then (laughs) and so they get scanned (laughs) (laughs) they have to scan the navy in much better it's so much better than you didn't get it at all jesus <laughs> they, they have to scan the navy in. <laughs> i thought was how i said it that was really good okay but i don't why are they <laughs> oh my god what no i get the scandinavian you? no but in the beginning you did said scandinavian or norwegian or something yeah, yeah. i said it offhanded so you would 
Oh, I have to say it off, so I shouldn't highlight it in the beginning. <laughs> oh. Gotcha. I said it just because you don't know who people are. Yeah. So good. Okay. So good. So if you don't know, Scandinavians are from Nor- Norwegian. Norwegian. <laughs> did you, did you, do you know, God damn it. do you know why when you go to like a, a football coliseum or like anytime you're in an arena, why it's so windy? Mm, I hate when it's that windy, man. It's because of all the fans. <laughs> I'm not so crowded. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, I feel like I'm out of Bummer Town. Yeah. I'm back in now fun land. Crying for a different reason. Yeah. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and thank you for listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff and the bodies are stiff. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. All right, Kim Marie, we're just wrestling, crowing here. We go, little Russell Wilson, little. We need more Russell names. Russell. Skillskin. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a good one. Russell Skillskin. Oh, Trey. Oh, Kim Marie, I hope you're laughing really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Rumble Stiltskin. Maybe it's his cousin. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, I hope I never forget that. <laughs> Rumple Stiltskin. <laughs> Russell Stiltskin. Stiltskin. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely using that from now on. Ugh. I got a Russell Stiltskin. <laughs> okay. Right, let, okay. Me, let me move my mic. All right. Look alive, people. Okay. We got a recording to do. Hey guys, we're back. Well, I gotta find my words. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. The talent.